Good afternoon, evening, morning, whenever you're listening to the podcast. Welcome to the inaugural episode of the Two Paper Guys podcast. I'm one of your hosts. I'm uh, Nathan Ryder. I'm the sports reporter for the Prince Albert Daily Herald in Prince Albert, Saskatchewan. I'll throw things over to my co-host to introduce himself and our uh, special guest for this first episode. Yeah, thanks, Nathan. I'm the other half of the podcast here, James Tubb, uh, sports reporter with the Medicine Hat News here in Medicine Hat, Alberta. I'm fighting the cold right now, so I don't sound as good as usually, but uh, we're very uh, honored to have on for our first episode here, uh, WHL guru, WHL scout, whatever you want to call him, Joel Henderson from Puck Preps, FC Scouting, and uh, pretty much everywhere online for the, the WHL draft scouting. So, uh, Joel, thanks for coming on, and just... Uh, how are things? You know what? Not bad. It's uh, we're not too far removed from the from the 2008 born class, like the 2023 WHL draft. I just got back from a weekend of watching the 2009s, a lot of the top um, players there in Calgary. And uh, today, I've been catching up and really watching a lot of the kids potentially getting drafted into the NHL this year. So, hockey, 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 fun, fun, fun. And the process really starts. The, the pro- sorry, <laughs> go ahead, James. Go ahead. You really didn't take much time off, did you, Joel? No, I, I was talking about this with someone else, too, where it's like even on days off where you don't really have to do anything, you do, you know, you do your laundry, you do a thing, you do a bit of cleaning, you take care of some errands, and then you come back, and it's like, well, I don't know, I guess I'll watch some hockey. <laughs> it's it's a thing you kind of, it's a very big default in my life, for sure. Uh, I'm not really like that. Like, I, I, I'm sure James is the same way. I cover... When hockey season is on, not only am I covering the the Raiders, but I'm also covering the Prince Albert Minto, Minto's U18 AAA male team and the Prince Albert Northern Bears, the U18 AAA female team here in Prince Albert. So I watch a lot of hockey. So even when the NHL season's on, it's the middle of middle of winter when I come home. I don't want to throw the TV on and and throw on an NHL game because I'm like, if I'm if I'm gonna watch hockey, I'd rather watch the local teams play. That's just my thoughts on it anyway. It's uh, I think to me, it's just, I changed levels. So when I'm watching, you know, U15 hockey and I'm like, oh, I'm just, I've watched so much. Then I'll throw on a WHL game and they're all throw on an NHL game. And it's just like, it's for some reason, like the different levels can either let me relax or focus on something different or um, it kind of, you just, that's it's as weird as it is. Um, the healing and the diversity is just in going to a different level and watching <laughs> Did you have a favorite team to watch this year, Joel, in the WHL? Uh, favorite team to watch. Ooh. Um, trying to think. I mean, I teams, yes. Um, I guess I I get personally, I'm just way more invested in personal player stories. Um, guys that have made big pushes, guys who have really taken great steps. Um teams that have kind of really evolved like you know it's it's hard not to to cheer for some teams i mean seattle's an easy answer because i you just they were just so like great but weird like great but weird is like the only way that i can describe it is because you know you're going after guys that are highly coveted guys for other teams and then they like end up playing like third line on your team because you're so deep like like there were so many times where you'd list names on who Seattle got throughout the year. And then you're like watching them play and you're like, Oh yeah, they got Colton doc as well. 
(laughs) (laughs) you know and it's like you're watching them play and you're like oh yeah like it's just there's certain sometimes you just (laughs) and like oh yeah like kyle krinkovic was a really good acquisition trade for them to try to balance the team out before the season started and you just kind of you go through it and it's uh very weird to say but um yeah i think them uh, they're they're an easy answer um i just always i always found regina to be fascinating with bedard and the way that they kind of used him and the way they kind of built that that team with their euros and stuff too um just a lot of great stories this year well once whl season has come to the close Come to a close, unless you're the Seattle Thunderbirds or the Kamloops Blazers kicking off the Memorial Cup here. But a lot, all the other teams in the league are focused on the future right now, and they they got a big start on that uh, just a couple of weeks ago there with the 2023 WHL Prospects Draft. And uh, on our script here, I wrote I took the time and wrote down the entire first round, all the trades of picks that happened within the first round <laughs> of of picks, and then also a complete list of Prince Albert draft picks and Medicine Hat draft picks. So it's going to be, we'll, we'll try to work our way through it here today, but uh, I guess we'll start with just breaking down the the first round because uh, obviously lots lots of teams picking twice there in that first round, including the, the Prince Albert Raiders with three of the top 10 selections, thanks to Curtis Hunt trading his 19-year-old defenseman captains for a fine selection of meat and cheeses. And... Uh, <laughs> yeah, so I guess we'll start things off with the top of top two picks of the board here with Prince Albert. They went number one. The number one pick was acquired in the Caden Gooley trade with uh, the Edmonton Oil Kings. Just to refresh the memory, they also got another first round pick back in that trade in 2021. They used that on Cole Pearden, part of their back to back first round picks in that draft. And then other assets include. Eric Johnston still with the team. Carson Latimer traded to Winnipeg in exchange for Southern Alberta Hockey Academy alumni Aiden Oring and two third-round selections. So, yeah, and with that pick, they took Daxon Rudolph, who in previous conversations, Joel, you've said is probably the most WHL-ready player in this draft. Kind of, what what did you think of that pick when you heard that uh, the Raiders took him number one? Uh, he's so, I mean, right off the bat, I think when you have three picks like this and PA has uh, taken three forwards high, um, they've, they've had a couple of defensemen. they had to trade away one of their, uh, defensive, uh, picks from the last couple of years too. So they needed a defenseman, they needed a high end guy. So you knew that it was going to come with one of these picks where, you know, which, where, and when, uh, I think this draft basically had three players that I would consider, you know, the high end guys potentially available to them. And uh, Daxon makes a lot of sense for them. Daxon is a guy who is, he's very naturally athletic. He's got a very long stride. He can burst laterally. Um, he's a guy that that sneaks in off the point, um, you know, when he anticipates the outlets. He's got a very accurate um, snap wrist shot. So he's going to be able to score from the point. He's going to be able to score on the power play. Um, he's got ample room to grow in his game as well. Like there's just, there's some stuff to fine tune, some things to kind of, to work on transitionally defensively, but he he shows those real high end flashes of just being a great top pairing defenseman, probably a number one down the line. Um, he's yeah. He's just, you know, when, when you're going to take a guy at the top of the draft to, to really fill that hole and be the guy for you. Um, he's a guy that fills a lot of the, you know, the tendencies I think that PA has as well. Just, you know, anticipatory, really high end, a guy that they can continue to work with, a guy with 
pro upside, all of those things that uh, that really just check the boxes for them. Awesome. Yeah, like as after that conversation that I had with you for the story that I ran in the in the Daily Herald here in Prince Albert, I kind of suspected that Curtis Hunt and the Raider staff would go with one defenseman in the top two picks. And I guess I was right with that because second overall, they took Riley Boychuk from out of the Airdrie Extreme program. And got to tell you one thing about Riley. I haven't spoken to him on the phone after on uh, draft day there. He's might be a candidate for the, for, for the first team all interview from <laughs> athletes. I've athletes I've talked to here in Prince Albert. He's got to, he's got to be up there. So what made it stand out for you? Well, he's just, well, the thing about talking to Riley is that, uh, the the thing for me that that really separates guys from being just a normal interview and all in, on the all interview team is uh, like they don't answer as much in cliches. Like he he'll give you a a detailed answer if you ask him a question and it's not just like oh they're a good team, oh you know we got to stick to coaches systems, et cetera et cetera. Like the I think the he, he was really good at responding to some of the the questions I had and yeah. I got to say the top three interviews I've had in Prince Albert so far have probably been him. Niall Crocker is up there and then, (laughs) and then Jasmine Cole of the, of the Prince Albert Northern bears was probably the best interview I had all year long. Just a super well-spoken individual. Uh, Riley's Riley's a guy who, uh, to be honest, I had him in, I had him maybe in my third round um, for a decent amount of the year. And the reason it is, is because he is so on the, on the upside swing, Riley is very intelligent, very puck skilled, very shifty, very inside edge driven. Like he can kind of escape and shift laterally in ways that you really don't expect. He's one of those guys that the only comparison I can really have from the WHL is the way that he kind of puts pucks on a string does remind you of, of Aussie Weisblatt. Like he has that type of ability where you just, you really don't know what he's going to do, but he can kind of shift laterally and turn back and do all these sorts of things. So the skill is there. Um, he is going to have to work on a bit of his, uh, a bit of his skating to be more explosive, to work on the length of his stride, to be able to, to really push through the neutral zone. I think like he is listed as a center, but I think on this team, um, I think it's inevitable that he probably moves to the wing in my opinion. Um, he's such a, he's such his vision from passing from the wing is, is really excellent. I think like as he's moving along with this newly turned over group from them, I think he probably, you know, gets to the point where he's, he's a second, he's, you know, quarterbacking that second power play, really finding seams and visions, uh, or vision across the ice laterally through the slot across the other side. He's, he has a lot of fake and hesitation to his game. No look passes, slip passes, those types of things. So he he's a guy that that really does when you give him the more space that you give him, the more he's able to do with it. Um, he's one of those guys that does not waste opportunity and does not, you know, um, really take advantage of that stuff. I was kind of worried more about his skating in the beginning. Um, he he looked better at the at the U um, at the at the U fifteen playoffs, and uh, and he looked and he looked fine. Like he looked fine at the his skating wasn't too much of an issue at the at the gathering as well for, for the Alberta cup. So he's, he's a very unique player in this draft, highly intelligent, highly adaptable. Uh, and I think when you put together the mix of PA, I think he is a bit of something they really don't have. And so it's uh, sometimes you, you got to throw a little bit of flavor, different flavor in the soup. 
Yeah, I got a Curtis Hunt pulling up the good old uh, Salt Bay, adding a little bit of uh, <laughs> variety into the future lineup here of the Prince Albert Raiders. Yeah, yeah, I, I guess we'll we'll try to try to speed through speed through things a little bit more so we can get talking with James about the Medicine Hat picks because medicine you you <laughs> nailed that you nailed that storyline from when we talked the off the record earlier earlier this year uh joel but uh so we'll start three spokane goes mathis preston out of the okanagan hockey academy four victoria goes with the six four defenseman keaton verhoff from the rink hockey academy Kelowna, and then five i thought this was an interesting pick was jackson jacobson of the brandon wheat kings u15 triple a ending up with the brandon wheat kings which from what I hear, there's family connections there, so I wonder yeah, if there was some something there, a little bit of a gentleman's agreement not to not to take him, but yeah, it's he was just going to end up there. <laughs> when your when your dad is the majority owner, you're you're going to end up there. Yeah, and then six six I thought was interesting because Vancouver made the selection, but that pick belonged to the Swift Current Broncos, who were just barely missed out on the playoffs out going neck and neck there with the, the medicine hat tigers down the stretch. And I have to pull up my notes. So this pick was traded by Swift to Vancouver in last year's draft, along with a 2022 third rounder that turned into Colton Elaine, I believe is how you say that name in exchange for a 2022 second round pick, which turns into Jace McFall. I know looking yeah. hindsight's always 2020, but do you, do you feel like, that trade looking back on things was worth giving up a first a first round selection for no no and i and and jace mcfall is a great player like he's awesome he's gonna have a really good whl career but no uh i mean the, the reality is is like swift didn't anticipate missing the playoffs they didn't whatever whatever you know they take their gambles on a player they really like who wants to come to the organization all that kind of stuff right it just it didn't work out this year for them they kind of have to eat that a little bit ryan lynn is a terrific terrific hockey player um, so it, it is what it is, but, uh, but no, I mean, it just, it just wasn't the season that they predicted in Swift current and they took a gamble and it, and it just didn't pay off in this one. And then I guess we'll go to seventh. This pick was acquired by Prince Albert from the Seattle Thunderbirds in the Nolan Allen trade it, at the start of the season there. This pick originally belonged to Kelowna who traded it to Seattle for Matthew Wedman back in December of 2019. So <laughs> So yes, Seattle had that pick in reserve for a while, and I guess Bill LaForge there was waiting for, for, for making a push before he moved that or holding on to it and getting a really good player. And that player that was picked with that selection was uh, Ty, Ty Munier from the St. Albert Sabres program. And from what I understand, he's a pure goal scorer, and that's something I think this Prince Albert Raider team needs because I think at times last year goal scoring was a bit of an issue for them at times i mean not many hockey teams put up five goals a game unless you're seattle or winnipeg but uh that's just something prince albert needed was that pure goal score type at least in in my opinion because i don't think they really had anybody on last year's roster that really was that type of player and i felt like this was a decent selection by by the raider front office what's uh your thoughts on ty munia here joel Oh, I, I he was somebody that I that I liked uh, pretty much all year. I mean, he he was the leading goal scorer in the AEHL U15. Pro, um, you know, 
he, he's a guy that early on in the year, he's very quick. He's got very quick steps, very quick uh, acceleration, can really burst away from you. And so in the U15 level, there was just so many times where he anticipated the, the rush. He would get a you know space, a pass early, and it's just breakaway after breakaway after breakaway, which isn't the worst thing, but you, you do want to see more uh, rounded for him. But that being said, when he got breakaway opportunities, he didn't waste them. He's terrific. It wasn't just stand low shots. Like goaltenders really had to be weary of a lot of different varied attack. He can, he can snap the puck when he sees those openings, he plays with his head up. He carries it really well. He bursts laterally very well back and forth. So you never know quite how he's going to deke. He can elevate in tight. There's a lot of those things, like you said, which just just leads to, to great puck control and great vision. Uh, and then just a terrific skater. As the season rolled on, um, as it normally does, and as it moves up to U18, he just gets less of those opportunities slash like you're playing against better teams that can anticipate it and they have more defensive size and all those sorts of things. So I was curious to see how his game was going to evolve. St. Albert didn't really have a great, um, you know, final playoffs uh, for them, you know, being one of the best teams in the league all year. Uh, I don't, I don't, I think in the, when it got to the final five, I don't, I don't think they won a game, but but Ty and so Ty, they were taking away a lot of the opportunities that Ty had to score, but he was adapting by being a great playmaker and using his delay and off the rush. And so it just added to how well-rounded he is. And so he's a guy that can score off the rush. He can score on the power play by coming in and snapping really heavy. Uh, and then now he showed he, his just his two-way versatility in doing that. He was a bit more defensive as well in those efforts too. He's not a guy that's that's naturally, you know, a heavy lifter defensively, but um, I just really liked his upside and and he um, in my final ranking, just because he had a great um, Alberta cup too. And then he had a great, uh, I had an opportunity to see him on a thrown together team in Philadelphia as well before the draft. And he looked great there too. So he, he was one that, that moved up my board at the end of the year. And, and uh, I think I had him somewhere around 13 or something like that. But, um, but he's a guy that can, can absolutely, you know, kind of earn that that slot there and like i said as well you know you're building a team and and he gives them another another piece and another flavor and uh goal scorers like him are, are hard to find awesome and i guess i'll i'll pass the floor off to we'll, we'll skip over nothing against brett olsen in the vancouver giants but we'll skip <laughs> over that pick to talk and hand the floor over to james and medicine hat on the clock at nine and liam ruck was the selection kind of talk about have you spoken I'm sure you've spoken to Liam, but just kind of talk about uh, what's he looking forward to about coming to the gas city. Yeah. The, uh, the Liam Ruck selection there at nine, I'll be honest. I was surprised by it on draft day. That wasn't a name I was looking for the rock twins and not to spoil it. Yes. There's two of them, Liam and Marcus, but uh, it was a bit of a surprise when the Tigers get him and just talking to him. He seems pretty happy. He was, they both, it meant a lot that, uh, Medicine Hat moved up to pick brother Marcus later in the or later in the first round, and uh, I think they're just excited at what they can bring to this Tigers team here. They're an offensive duo, one-two, and you add them to the young talent the Tigers have, whether it's Gavin McKenna, Hayden, or Sini, uh it's exciting. I'm sure – I'm not trying to take uh, words out of Joel's mouth, but that's kind of how I saw that pick. Uh, I don't know, Joel, how do you kind of look at uh, that selection for Medicine Hat? Oh, they're uniquely fun. Like there isn't anyone that plays like those two play in the, in the draft. And to be honest, I don't know that too many guys play like they do in any draft. They're so smart with their passing and their positioning. Like they understand the gaps they have to keep in defensemen. They understand how to leverage space uh, so well. So the, a lot of it is just them playing keep away and like advancing the puck into space until they score on you. And it's, 
it's so strange to watch, but it's so unbelievably satisfying. Um, it is very unique. And there was a bunch of questions with it too, where like, you know, you kind of knew they were going to land somewhere together, but you wanted to know that if, you know, one of them went down with injury, something like that, that they could kind of adapt their play, be able to play with different line mates, different team and, uh, and, and all the reports back from the BC cup, because they were separated on different teams, both of them did very well. And so it's one of those where, you know, you, you know, you alleviate a little bit of that worry as well, but but yeah, they were a bit of a wild card in this draft because you had to, you know, essentially you had to take both of them. You had to find a way to get both uh, teams. Teams understood that, but also they don't want you to take one and then wait until like the seventh to take the other. Right. Like, you know, they're expecting they're expecting there's kind of an, un, you know, an unspoken thing. I think that it's just like if you want one, you got to, you know, try to get the other one pretty quick, too. So uh, I, I to be honest, I had no idea where they were going to go. This is a fun place for them to go. Um, the only, yeah, the way that I've described it for medicine hat fans or anyone who medicine hat comes to visit, you're going to watch some very fun hockey. It is going to be fun to the eyeballs. Ian, you alluded, you alluded to it there, Joel, and the Tigers, their next pick was in the third round. There was just no chance or it was in the second round, late second round, 29, uh, 29. Yep. Yeah. There was no chance. Marcus was going to last till then there was teams that were between them that were going to take them. So the Tigers trade for, uh, the 21st overall pick from Saskatoon, sending that 29th pick, uh, the 97th pick in the draft, in a 2024 second rounder to Saskatoon for that first rounder to get Marcus, unite the brothers, and just uh, get them both on a team. And the one thing I, I kind of love about the brothers, they don't want the Henrik and Daniel Sedin comparison. And I don't blame them. That's <laughs> a lot of pressure. They yeah. got to earn that. They, uh, they just want to be the Rucks. They want to be Liam and Marcus, Marcus and Liam, you know, Sometimes you got to split it up. Uh, Marcus is the older one, so, but no, they're competitive. They're highly competitive. It's going to be, as Joel said, there seems it's going to be a lot of fun for Medicine Hat fans, and uh, it's going to be interesting to see what they do at the U uh, eighteen level probably this season. Yeah, I, I mean, it's it's hard to find the comparisons with them to be honest, because there aren't too many people that play like they do. It's it's like you know going to the music world, and there's just something there's something very unique when when siblings are singing harmonies together you know and it's it's something that it just comes with time it comes with knowing tendencies that are very unspoken i mean like they're not sitting there and processing going like okay i think he's gonna go here and he's gonna whatever it's at this point in time it's just it's instinct it's just knowing each other very well and then also it's just being you can be bluntly honest with your sibling in ways that you can't be with other people too. So the whole process of like getting to, you know, iron sharpens iron and getting better too, and, and making sure they're on the same page. There's just, there's so many advantages that they have there. And uh, as far as like a draft ranking, it was just hard to kind of individually assess them because at the end of the day, you're like, they're going to play together and they're better together. So it's a, it's kind of hard to do. And so it's, uh, but, but yeah, it's, it's just going to be fun, you know, make any comparisons you want, but I mean, the reality is, is they do play um, stylistically. They're playing keep away out there and really moving in space and really doing that. And there aren't, there isn't a better example than the Sedins, but I understand, you know, not wanting to wear that. Yeah. I guess the, the one discussion I wanted to bring up about the twins heading to medicine hat, because Medicine Hat does have a very talented player that will be a 16-year-old in the league this year in Gavin McKenna. I know that the Ruck Twins cannot play in the league full-time this year as they're only going to be 15 years old in the in this 08 class. But when McKenna's in his 17-year-old season and these guys are in their 
are in their um, 16-year-old season. Could you see those those three forming forming a line there for for the Tigers? And how fun do you think that a line made up of those three guys would be? I'll jump so, the best thing cool. about not the best thing, but the thing with Gavin McKenna is he might as well be an 08 draft class player. I was just gonna just say that his late <laughs> but his late birthday. So he's gonna have the same amount of years like this is kind of his age 16 season coming up, obviously, but he's not gonna be 16 till almost past Christmas time. I forget his I used to have his birthday memorized. I'm glad I don't anymore. I think um, it's a, I think it's the 20th of December. But I could be okay wrong. now, yeah, I think you're right. Anyways, uh but yeah, no, like they're gonna Gavin has three more years in the WHL. And if the Rocks are as good as they seem with the first round picks like this, they have three years in WHL. So it does, I mean, you obviously want them in the WHL this year. They're not maybe ready for that and they can't anyways, but it's going to work out in the long run. They're going to get three years together. And I mean, you get Marcus in the middle, Liam on the right, Gavin on the left. That looks like it's going to be a fun line. And I think that would, you would see that in a game, three minutes left, you're down one, it's tied. You need that offense. You could see the ruck times two in McKenna. Uh, that's just kind of how I look two years down the road. Well, even as well, like I, I think I uh, can't remember where I spoke about this too, but like to be honest, it wouldn't be even my natural tendency. I would actually split them up and have them as a as a one two line. I mean, if you put if you put the rucks and you move both of them to the wings and you had Lindstrom in the middle, like awesome. If you if you wanted to run, um, you know, one of them at center, or even like switch all around, and you had Mercik on one of their wings too as a as a shooting threat, that works too. And so they're going to have multiple different options with the way that they've built their team. I mean, that's the that's the nice thing about this Medicine Hat group is that they're they're taking skill, but they have other like little pieces. They have other players that are high end players that they can move around, and they are adaptable players. So it does work. It does work still. Uh, I mean, like, you know, let's say you had you wanted to add some speed on that line and you had Harsani or you wanted to put a uh, Caden McCann in the middle uh, and be really a net, you know, a net front guy and let those two guys kind of manipulate space around him and, and, and work off Caden. That's that works, too. So to me, it's a sense of like the coach is going to have options, which is just another great um just another great thing about the building of the team is just like I think you're going to see multiple different kinds of combinations. And that's Willie Desjardins hockey. Like he has his lines he'll start the game with. That blender comes out very quickly because it's if it's not clicking right away, all right, let's get something that's clicking. And I mean, the more options and tools that he gets, it's just it's medicine at Tigers hockey, and it's coming back to uh, what it was uh, pre-COVID, just being that play a perennial playoff contender and uh, maybe a little further. Yeah, I guess the other pick I kind of wanted to highlight in this first round, and I we had this conversation as well, Joel, was uh, pick number 11, the Calgary Hitman. They get Noah Kosick, who was, uh, who's very small, not a very big human being at the moment, but you've said to me before he could be the best player in this class. Kind of talk about uh, Noah and what you feel like Calgary got with him. Oh yeah. I mean, he could be the best player in this class pretty easily. Like when you look at it, there's a lot of his elements that are already the best in the class. I think like, it's just, the thing is it's size and it's adapting to the next levels and those types of things. So he doesn't have like, even he played U18 hockey this year and pacing is not an issue. He has the length of stride and the ability to like the balance, the four directional movement. Um, Pacing is not an issue for him. He plays in the middle 
Um, he takes faceoffs. He's a centerman for them, you know, at five, five hundred and twenty. Um, his hands are probably, I would, I would say that his hands are the best hands in the draft, um, as well. And just like manipulating space, ma- manipulating passing angles, uh, those sorts of things. So all of those things check the boxes of just like he needs to grow and he needs to get stronger and that's really it. And so, you know, how high do you take that risk? How high do you, you know, do that? Do you want him to come to your program? What kind of player are you getting in the long run? Uh, Noah really projects to be, I think he does, unless he really grows a ton, you know, toward the end of it, I think he projects early on to be more of a winger, Um, but he has this skill. He has the compete. Um, He, he isn't afraid of getting hit, which is both a good and a bad thing. Um, but he'll wait and delay that extra half second in order to to make to open up that space for a teammate. And so he has that 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 next level um, instinct as well, just how to create space for other people. He's just such a terrific natural playmaker that has a lot of the details that you look for off puck as well. So he'll get into the board battles. He'll fish pucks out of feet. He'll, he has very tight turning radiuses. He, he four checks, you know, he, he'll, he'll slip into the slot to, to tip a puck or to bang in a rebound. Like he's very sneaky that way. So, um, like, I think, you know, if we're talking about guys that we've seen in the past, um, you know, I think he has, the potential of being like a Matthew Ward type player, but with way more explosive skating. Um, so a guy that's more of a playmaker, more of a thing like that. But I, I think at the like once again, at the end of the day, um Noah Kosick at 5'5, 120 is very different than Noah Kosick at, you know, 5'10, 170. And so if he gets to that, I think, you know, to be honest, I think we'll look back and, and just see it as a as an absolute home run swing for for Calgary too, but I know he was debating other options too. And so I'm not sure how much went into, to, um, you know, picking and choosing spots, things like that. But, uh, but he's a very, very high end player that um, people were a little leery about, but I, I just think his upside is pretty massive. Yeah. It sounds like the central division is going to be pretty fun to watch here in the next three, three to five years or so with some of the players that have, that are there with the Ruck twins, Gavin McKenna, obviously Noah Kosick, going to the Calgary Hitmen, which I thought was a little interesting because you watch Calgary this year. They're one of those, one of the heavier hard-hitting teams in terms of their brand of hockey that I've noticed throughout them and Red Deer and Lethbridge seem to be in that kind of heavier game. And I thought that uh, that was an interesting pick for them. That wasn't a team I sort of had in mind for him going to. I thought he was going to end up in Victoria or Vancouver with the picks those teams had, but I was wrong. Well, but... and if you build if you build size and you build puck protection, you build strength and you build battle, you can add somebody like Noah pretty comfortably and pretty easily. Yeah, what did you think of that uh, selection there? There, James was was Noah someone you thought the Tigers might might have picked at number nine there? Yeah, I I know they were like Joel Benson. They're continuing to add skill, but. Uh... I just think uh, they had enough, maybe that they or there just wasn't enough promise, maybe from Coast. I don't know. Like I've tried to ask, and I never really got a straight answer about it. I think the size maybe did scare them a little bit, and they went with the Rock Twins, and just uh, yeah, I don't think they'd be well. They're obviously not going to be the lone team that uh, maybe size was the factor there. Yeah, should be should be interesting, but again, other. Lots of lots and lots and lots of skill in that central division moving forward here, which, which, which you love to see. As as a guy that covers the East Division, it was just in my opinion that that was 
But that division was the best in the Western Hockey League last season was was the East Division with a couple of 100-point teams there in the Saskatoon Blades and the Winnipeg Ice. And another good team in Moose Jaw right there, the Regina Pats. Seems like the the Raiders couldn't catch a break most nights, but uh, they should be in in the hunt and making some moves up the standings in that division this year, I believe, anyway. All right, we're we're back here. We're going through a little bit of growing pains behind the scenes in terms of of production, but that but 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 that happens. I'll I'll cut things together so things are nice and smooth for our audience here. So we're back with Joel Henderson and James Tubb and myself, Nathan Rayner, talking about uh, 2023 WHL prospects draft. And I guess the next question I got for you, Joel, here is: Were there any major surprises for you in terms of guys going higher slash lower? in the draft and what you had on, on your board there? Uh, I think um, the way that I kind of tried to summarize this draft is that there was a certain amount of players at the top end, which were, you know, if you had them in different tiers on your board, they probably weren't very far apart. You know what I mean? And so like shifting and taking one guy over the other, you know, I expected that group to kind of go within that group. Uh, and that's everyone from, you know, Daxon and Riley and and Mathis, you know, all the way down to to kind of you're getting into your Noah Cossacks, your Joe Aginla, you know, Cruz, uh, Dane, if you throw them into that, you know, there was some questions there too, depending upon uh, some other factors there. But um, so that there was that kind of that group. And then essentially after that, it was like, it really opens up. And I think that was where you start to see lists being very, very different because you've got, you know, let's say 30 players just to throw a number out that are pretty close. You know, I I don't know, depending upon how you see them, I think, you know, look at different draft boards and I think that they were all kind of all over the place. And so it ends up just coming down to why teams swing on players when, and it ends up just being become. So I guess for me, it becomes of like, you try to take some skill sets that are a little bit more rare. And so in this draft, there was teams that were looking for defensemen there was teams that were looking for mobility on the back end. There was teams that were looking for goal scoring. Those were kind of the things that seemed to be the, the case for a lot of those stuff. So I think, you know, um, Liskey going to Everett at 10 was a little higher than I thought, but Liskey was, you know, in my opinion, the best defenseman on the board at that point. And so if you're wanting a defenseman to add to your group, he's the best one there. Um, Carson Carroll's was somebody that Prince George got at 15 that that he really, really kind of announced himself a little bit at the at the camp at the Manitoba camp I've talked about before he played for a, a program in pilot mound that was one of the bottom five teams in the CSSHL this year. Um, so there's, you know, and so the way that they break up the playoffs is they do a top 12 in the, in, in play one and then the bottom five teams kind of have their own mini playoffs. And so as soon as they got to the bottom five teams in, in that, like Carson Carroll's just racked up points in the, in the playoffs. Um, so he's a player that there are a lot of people that just knew right away. He has mobility, he has, um, goal scoring off the rush. Um, and so those are two components that, that guys are looking for as, as, you know, if they're looking for potential, uh, transition defenders moving up. And so, you know, in this draft, there were a lot of really great players, but, um, there, you know, there was only a certain amount of guys that could really bust through layers and, and have that ability to their game. And so then you just kind of work with it and round it out. Um, Aaron, I think. I mean, low-key kind of surprising was uh, Moostraw's taken a lot of defenders in the last number of years. So them taking Aaron Sawatsky is not... Aaron Sawatsky is absolutely their type of player and is going to fit into Moostraw hockey for sure. I just thought... I just 
said, oh, there's a, they've got to be taking a forward here. And they never did. So, um, but there wasn't, once again, there wasn't, you know, the, the best player on my board at the time was Aaron. So, and if he fits their mold and that's the best player, well, away you go. Um, figure it out later. So, um, yeah, I would just say that. I, I think, you know, a goaltender going the first round was not something I expected. Um, some of the Saskatchewan kids went a little higher than I expected too. Um, I know there was a lot of teams that thought really highly of Beckett Hamilton, who had a really great Saskatchewan playoffs, just kind of lit the net on fire. Um, he's a really smart goal scorer. Um, yeah, so things like that. I think just early on in, in what you saw was you saw the size and the speed and the and the, and the maybe the one element of theirs that could end up being an impactful one if you round out the player's game, kind of being the reason that guys got taken a little early. Yeah, and just to follow up on that, was there any um, player team fit doesn't have to be in the first round at the, at the top of the draft but was there any player team fit that uh you saw and then when you, when you kind of dive a layer deeply you, you pull out you pull out the the scalpel and, and kind of surgically inspect the this draft pick was there any player team combination that that you went ooh that's going to that's really good i really like that yeah and i, I mean I think that was one thing, especially at the top end of this draft, where if there's one thing that didn't surprise me, it was the type of player that the team went with. So, you know, I ended up having Griffin Darby lower on my list, but I'm not shocked that Portland likes that player, especially the fact that they've drafted his brother as well. Um, You know, Kane Wilkie is a player who could really thrive in Everett, and they took him at 20. He's the kind of player they really like. Um, Lethbridge taking Chase Peterson, a big, heavy two-way um, player with upside. It makes sense for what they're building, you know, for the most part. Uh, Kelowna taking the swing on on a couple of the really high-end skill um, kids out of St. George, uh, you know, in Barrett and, and uh, Gosick later on. So there's things like that where it just, um, but I mean, Bennett Kelly taking, going to Prince Albert is just like, you just go, yeah, no, of course. Um, it just absolutely makes sense. Uh, so there's a lot of ones like that where, uh, East in the plant to Calgary being from a Calgary guy. So there's a lot of ones in, you know, especially in the higher end of things that you just went, yeah, no, I, I mean, it's not easy for me to, uh, to, it's, you know, sorry, it's, it's easy for me to come to the conclusion of why they went there. For anyone looking for a tearjerker, you got to look up that Darby brothers uh, draft pick with Portland. They got a great video there. And that was just, uh, you love seeing that stuff on drafting, no matter what league it is. I don't know if you guys saw that or not. Uh, I, I did it. I'll have to look it up. Yeah. And no, it's think, good. They got uh, they got a good video out of that. And the thing about Portland too is that they seem like they seem even though they're so far away, they're not afraid to take Saskatchewan kids at, or Manitoba kids for for that matter. Like they did take um, they, they do have did take Griffin Darby this year, but they also had have like Prince Albert product. Gabe Clausen on the roster as well, like Rhett Ravendahl, also from Birch Hills neighboring community. They had like Dante Genuzzi, who was Winnipeg, I believe. Like they, they're not afraid to take guys that are far away from home, which I don't think you would see as often with like Prince Albert, for instance. Like they might not be willing to take, like, I'm not saying they won't because they have in the past, but they, they just seem so Portland seems so good at recruiting guys, even though they're coming from so far away from home. Cause I know it's a long road from Prince Albert to, to Portland and 
they're not afraid. And I think that really speaks to to that uh, team there and being able to just bring guys in so far away from home. Yeah, and so I, like, I think the other, the other thing as well about like just getting a fit is like, you know, we can talk about this from from a, a scouting perspective, a team perspective. We can talk about this from a fan perspective. But the other very important perspective is 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 the parents and the families. What are they looking for from, you know, from a team drafting their kid? There's a bit of an unpredictability here. Well, the ideal situation is that you go to a place where your where your son is valued, um, where they have a history of really developing their sense of skill sets. So you can see that there's going to be a tendency of growth and then just opportunity as well. And so, you know, players like Griffin Darby, when his brother's there, uh, Portland has a great, um, you know, Portland has a great track record of developing those smooth skating defensemen, guys that can transition pucks. Like if I'm Griffin Darby, yeah, I mean, there's a reason that you're over the moon because it's a great fit from both the family perspective with his brother there and then just his development perspective too. Um, it's a good landing spot for him based on his skill set. Like I think they they know what to do with a player like that. I think it's such a strong point that you bring up too because at the end of the day, you see them play out. You see them play on the ice, and you forget that these these guys that we cover and watch on a day to day basis, like they're only teenagers. They're they're still figuring this whole life thing out for the most part. I mean, I kind of am too, to an extent. But uh, <laughs> those those guys are really still trying to figure out this whole life thing. And yeah, that's a, that's a very important point because you could get a kid into a, a program or a system where he doesn't really thrive and then he gets a change of scenery and he becomes the player that people thought he could have been on on draft night right that always happens so yeah and i mean if we're, we're if we're talking about reasonable expectations too you know somewhere down the line when we're talking about development it's very 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 hard to get drafted and very hard to make the NHL. And so for the mass majority of these kids, a very realistic um, opportunity is just to continue to develop, really enjoy your WHL years, get very good as a player. And then at the end, you, you, you've got those options of different education to kind of go into too, or potentially playing overseas in different leagues there too, or AHL, ECHL. There's a lot of really good players from the WHL that just end up going pro in a sense you know even without the nhl stuff so so just growth and happiness and being in a healthy environment all those things i mean you put yourself in a parent's shoes and uh you know come draft day um like i said even you know for someone like you know as we kind of go down the board for someone like bennett kelly uh, prince albert knows what to do with a defenseman like that and so if you're the kelly family from a developmental standpoint you got to go okay they're going to help him grow they're going to help. They're going to better his game. And so like, there's things like that where you just, I think, and just hearing more from parents at the end of the day, you know, I think sometimes parents can get in their whole head of like, Oh, he went to this number and I thought he was going to go with this number. And at the end of the day, it's like, did he go to a good team? And it's like, yeah, no, we're really happy where he went and it's a great fit. And, and the family's really happy. And it's like, yeah, well then what do you, <laughs> so it's, uh, you know, to me, that's, that's at the end of the day, it's the most important thing, you know, from, from the team perspective, you're trying to get great value at every pick and, and, and get the players that you think have the most growth in them. But from the family side, you're just hoping for a great landing spot. I know it's still early here, Joel, but uh, like it's very early, but how do you look at the 09 class? How do you kind of see that uh, shaping up uh, for next year, for next year's draft? Where do you kind of see them and who's kind of stood out to you so far? 
Uh, I think once again, it's another year where there's a lot of good kids coming into the AHL in Alberta. Uh, I would assume that a bunch of them, you know, in the same ways that Keaton Verhoff did this year, they'll they'll move from one of those teams to a, a CSSHL team. There's guys that that make that make that jump. Some players that don't. Um, there's a lot of really good players that are coming out of some of the um, some of the U15 like you know varsity teams out of those programs too. Um, from the 2009 weekend that I was just at, a few of the top end players weren't even there, um, and it was a really really good showing. There's a lot of kids that have really heavy shots and mobility and long skating strides. And it's, I think this class as well was a very smart class. Like players played very smart in the 2008 one, and that will help them kind of adapt to the years past. But there were some kids that just, they have to change some stuff about their skating strides. They have to, you know, learn a bit of things in transition through the neutral zone, define their, their defense a little bit more. I think to be honest, the 2009s look like there's a ton of potential there and some really unbelievable two-way goal scorers, you know, and that's not even throwing in, you know, the idea of like, cause I went and watched this weekend and it was awesome. BC has some really great size players, players that can play with skill and size. Saskatchewan plays really heavy, like always. Um, there's some legacy players that are kind of, you know, ex WHLers, NHLers that are in that mix as well. Um, it's just going to be a really great year. And then you've got guys like Eli McCamey and, uh, you know, and Landon DuPont at the top. Uh, and, you know, especially with DuPont, you know, that's, that's a player that just, you know, we're, we're back to a year where um, he's going to be the player to beat this year, uh, as far as like just being an absolute obvious number one pick if he wants to come. So um, this year, like I said, there was a ton of really good players at the top end and teams saw them differently. But I think at the end of this year, you're going to see some really high end players at the top, you know, the top five, top seven, top 10, and then, a, you know, one, you know, and then probably DuPont at the top, just being the shining star that someone's hoping to get. Well, both markets that Nathan and I cover, I don't think either want to even have the opportunity to draft uh, Landon DuPont. I think that's something <laughs> that uh, they want to leave for other ones, but uh it does seem like, I don't know, but you, Nathan, you can look at your list for me. It's for the Tigers coming out of this draft. My favorite pick for them, besides the Rucks, was Riley Steen, who played with the Rucks, coincidentally. But uh, I just think he's going to do great on their blue uh, their blue line. Nathan, who did you uh, like from Prince Albert? Who is your favorite pick uh, to become a Raider? I think you got to go with the first, the first team all draft class in terms of names was their third round pick in goaltender steel steel bass like it's a great name and <laughs> i hope i hope he cracks cracks the team so i can i can make a whole bunch of puns if he makes a good save um i he's think the other player he, he, he should be i i would imagine he's going to be a very good whl goalie and and the other player that i've heard good things about was uh jonah sievertson who was taken in the fourth round with the 71st overall selection I don't know the specifics, but I saw a, a list. I'll see if I can, but he led um, his league in scoring. And if you look at other guys that have led that, his specific league, I, the league slips my my mind right now. But some of the other names on that list include guys like Braden Yeager that also led led that, that league in scoring. So I think he could be a sneaky good pick for Prince Albert. Like, I don't know too much specifics about him, but uh, he could be sneaky good for him. He's a, he's a, he was, um, I would say in this draft, there were some players that were very unique in the way that they play. 
And there's some aspects of their game that are very projectable. And there's some aspects of their game could, could be, could be the detriment of them. And so it's just going to come down to the development in these last, like these next couple of years. Um, so I'm curious about him. I mean, he's moving on to, uh, to great programs. He's going to be playing really high end U18, um, with, you know, Prince Albert's guidance in the way that they kind of see their players too. Once again, I think with the player, um, landing in Prince Albert, they know what to do with guys that are like Jonah. So, you know, I, I think it's a good spot for him developmentally too, but he does, I, I didn't think he was going to fall that far in the draft, to be honest with you, but I did, you know, he was somebody that I had some people, once again, you look at it and you go, well, he's leading the league in scoring in the Saskatchewan, um, you know, U15. And it's like, yes, but there are some things. So it's much the same as anything else. You know, you can't just look at stats and stuff, but he's a player. He's young. You know, he's an August birthday. He's already got great size at six foot two, one eighty. Um, he's very smart. He stick handles very well laterally. So he can pull a puck from his reach side to side. And he has a heavy wrist shot. Um, there's some instincts, some mobility stuff, some of the things with his skating, some of the, some of the ways that he kind of makes plays, some of his decision-making, he's going to kind of have to work on that stuff. But, um, but, but you're right. He could be a, a great pick for them at that spot. Yeah, it was, it was, it was a busy day for sure. Cause I was in the office super early that day with, cause I knew that Prince Albert was on the clock three times in the top 10, but I think we've talked to them enough about uh, those guys already. Um, and I guess the next question I got, I have for you is Joel is that we're going to see a lot of the 2007s break into the uh, Western hockey league this year. Besides the obvious name amongst our our two teams in uh, Gavin McKenna with Medicine Hat, I'm pretty sure he's going to be on be on their lineup opening night this year, like he was last. But um, is there any name names from Prince Albert or Medicine Hat from their 2007 draft class that you think could be contributors for them this season? Um, just kind of looking into. I mean, you know, from from Medicine Hat, I mean. They, I mean, they. The thing about Medicine Hat is, is that they had um, some issues with their roster already this last year. Just basically getting guys some playing time. I mean, they they just had a wealth of really good players to the point where they had to trade some good guys out. You know, just you had to trade a player out so that you could give some other guys minutes. I mean, there was times when Thomas Mercek was a was a healthy scratch in that bunch too, right? And so I'm not too sure about how I haven't. I don't have it in front of me how many guys are moving on, but I mean, you know, if you're looking at at this next class, I mean, you've got Gavin McKenna, Hayden Harsani, and and Caden McCann, who, um, you know, rightfully could all be on that team, depending if you want to put them on. And then, you know, even Matt Peranich, who's, um, depending on how their what their blue line looks like, he could come in and and be that guy that probably even rotates in a little bit. I think Matt, you know, Matt's another guy that could play another year at U18 and and really just focus on his, you know, his growth and his strength and all that stuff. And that won't hurt him at all either, but he's a guy that you could kind of see in that lineup for, for them too. Um, it's just kind of a mixture. And once again, with medicine hat, um, they're just adding a ton of good players. And so it's gonna, there, there will be some spots to make and some good competition and some guys to ship in and some guys to ship out. So uh, that'll be kind of fun for them. Um, and then with Prince Albert, I mean, I mean, I, I would imagine that Luke Mraz will be already be an impact player for them. I mean, he should be. Um, I would imagine him starting off somewhere in the middle six, finding his way. Um, his thing has always been like that he was always just a little bit smaller. He was a little bit behind as far as his physic like his physical stuff. So he's not a guy that that burns you all over the ice, but he's just so smart 
that um, if you have, if you know, if you're playing him on the wing or something like that, and you've got uh, someone down the middle that can do a little bit more heavy lifting or, you know, passing through transition, as far as that is concerned, that he doesn't have to worry about taking it end to end, then he starts to really shine. I think he's going to be a player that, that, that um, you know, probably has a good season for Prince Albert. And one of those seasons where you look at him and you go like, oh, he's just going to keep getting better, isn't he? And, uh, <laughs> and that's really fun. Uh, I think Shenye, I think you'll probably see, uh, you know, a little bit more of him and you'll probably see a little, uh, a little bit of Dirkatch as well. Um, yeah. And so, you know, we'll see kind of after that, but it's, it's one where once again, with, with Prince Albert, they don't, uh, you don't have to rush anybody per se, and you can kind of just take it at your own speed. Um, Prince Albert is, I think year to year. I mean, they're, they're looking for, they're looking for another good year from the guys that they do have. And just for everyone to kind of take that, that next step forward too. I was actually just going to point out Ollie Chenier because I think I saw him play within the first month of me moving here to two PA is that I went up to, to big river first nation and they had a preseason game against uh, the Saskatoon blades. I don't believe it was streamed anywhere because it was at the Jim Nielsen sports, the brand new Jim Nielsen sports plex up there, but it was against the Saskatoon blades, like the first preseason game. And I think the second shift, he just dumped a kid from Saskatoon into the bench with a big hit like he's he ain't afraid of nobody and prince albert has a couple of those guys on their roster from that'll be carrying over from last year especially with terrell goldsmith being the obvious one he's he's not afraid of anybody and i i think they're kind of getting guys with that mentality that they're they're not they're not afraid to play that that physical playoff style type hockey yeah and i i mean that's kind of they those are the you know PA is not known for taking, you know, more passive players, guys that aren't finishing their routes, finishing their checks, forechecking heavy, uh, using their speed, using their physicality. Like they're they're a team that likes to bring up those kinds of players. So it all makes sense. <laughs> on the Tigers P that on the seventh class, I would be surprised if all three of McKenna, Hersiani, and McCann aren't in the lineup next year. Kind of like what Joel alluded to there. I expect moves at a medicine hat to make up make the forward core a little easier to get those guys in. And I don't think you can bet on it anywhere. I wouldn't. Like, I, I don't know if I legally can. But uh, Gavin McKenna <laughs> is the easy front runner for the rookie of the year coming up in the WHL here. I mean, the points he put up last year as an AP coming into this season, he's only going to get better, getting more consistent time in the WHL, not coming up for a game, going back to Saha, back and forth. It's just all the games he can play while he's not at the U17 uh, games, which I'm sure he'll get invited to. But uh, yeah, I would, uh, I'd put money on the McKenna for rookie of the year. Yeah. I would say that um, maybe the only, you know, kind of looking at this board, looking at like that grouping, I would say the one player that would probably potentially challenge him um, would be Cole Reshney in Victoria. I just think he's going to get, a ton of opportunity and he's going to get so much puck touches in the same vein as McKenna as well. So I think those guys are going to have a fun year kind of battling it out. And I think, um, I think both of them are, you know, they, they're going to, they're, they're not those guys that is the absolute burners who just like, who can dominate every shift no matter what, but they're both very smart. And so they're the, the amount of time it's going to take both of them to adapt to the, to the WHL. I'd be surprised if it was, you know, if it was longer than a little bit. I th and I, there's one other name I was going to mention from Medicine Hat that um, because maybe because of his position per se he might not be 
in the with the Tigers this year, but he could get a very real opportunity as a 17-year-old to contribute would be uh, Jordan Switzer, who was their sixth-round pick the as a goaltender. He could, and I, from what I understand from the coverage I read from James in training camp last year, he made some good impressions with his first time at a WHL training camp. So that might be a name you 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 might see between the pipes there in Medicine Hat in the not too distant future. I don't know what, what you think. What do you think about Jordan there, James? Jordan Switzer is the best interview I've ever had every time I interview. And it's crazy for that to come from a 14, 15, well, 15, 16 year old. He had the confidence the kid has, and it's not cockiness. He doesn't look down on anyone. He's just confident. And I think, do I think he could step in and play games this year? I wouldn't be surprised if he does. I think him at a U18 level next year, he's going to play for Knox. He's probably going to lead them to another championship as he did this year. Well, maybe not. I don't know. I don't want to preach that. But, no, he's going to go play for Knox this year. He's going to dominate probably. I mean, he was perfect last year. He had a 15-0-0 record with, I believe, three shutouts. He's going to get better. Put him at the U18 level. Maybe he'll grow a little bit. I know height is the question mark some people have with him, but uh, I believe he's 5'8 or 5'9. Like, he's not short. Maybe he'd be 5'10. But for Jordan, uh, yeah, you're kind of right there, Nathan. He's going to be the Tigers goaltender in the future coming up, and that future might begin this season or it might be next year. And while we're speaking on goaltenders, I think the the one person I'd watch out for in terms of being one of the top rookie netminders in the league next year, I watched him play several times for the Prince Albert Mintos this past year was uh, Jane Krause with the Victoria Royals. Like He got a cup of coffee last year with the Royals, but I mean, that wasn't a very good Royals team. And they put him in when they were already down like five to two against Prince George. And that team is very skilled and scores a lot of goals. So he didn't look great in those appearances, but I could see him being a contributor between the pipes for uh, Victoria this coming season. And that's what I've kind of gauged from talking to Tim Leonard is that Tim said he wouldn't be surprised if Jane was there next year so and that's very high praise from a guy like tim leonard so yeah i mean it's it's uh with with i think with with defenders and then especially goaltenders it's just it takes them a little longer they just they have to get adapted the pace gets very very quickly you have a lot of responsibilities um you know if your defenseman all of a sudden hey you're stepping in and you're matching up against some of the top forwards in the league, depending on the shift and the, and the placement. So it's, it's a, it comes at you really fast, the pace and the heaviness and goaltenders. I mean, the shots are quicker. The lateral stuff is quicker. Everything is. So it's uh you know, you, you don't want to give goaltenders too much too quick. They kind of, they kind of have to make you a little bit baffled at that age to be like, we can't take him out. He just, he continues to play really well. So, and and that's not a story that you necessarily hear too often at that age, but uh, both of those guys, I would imagine will get, will get uh, their opportunities. Nathan, do you have anything else uh, for Joel or could we let him go on this fine Wednesday afternoon? <laughs> I I think I had one more question for both of okay. you guys to kind of wrap wrap things up and are I guess go through each division in the the Western Hockey League and then I know this is way too early the championship just finished a lot can happen between now and now and the start of the season but who your way too early 
WHL predictions. Who do you think are going to be the top two two teams to watch in uh, each division across the across the Western Hockey League? Joel, you're the guest. How about it, buddy? No, I was just gonna say you go ahead first. <laughs> I have to like think about this. I gotta like. I gotta. Um, it's yeah. terrible that I covered the league. I gotta remember the divisions aren't imprinted in my mind very well, but I'll go. I'll try. Uh, the Central Division. I honestly, I think this year or this upcoming season. Again, like you mentioned, Nathan, it's way too early. There's so many moves that can happen still. Oh, if I was to look at the Central, I wouldn't be surprised if Red Deer was in the top two. And I'll be frank, and this might be a bit of home. I wouldn't be surprised if Medicine Hat's top two. I could just see them going off and uh, rising a little bit there and getting to that. Then you move to the East Division. Uh, I think this is Moose Jaw's year. I think they're going to climb up and get that first spot. Or the top two. It's Moose Jaw and Saskatoon, I guess is the easiest way to say that. They're going to take and probably dominate that division. And uh, they're going to be good teams this season. And then in the West, uh, the BC Division, I wouldn't be surprised to see Kelowna maybe jump up a little bit there. And it's just so hard with Kamloops because they went all in this year. I don't know who's going to come back. Oh, oh, I might look silly. I'm going to say Vancouver maybe jumps up there. And then in the U.S., I'll take uh, take Everett. And I'll go Seattle again just because I think the returning bit that they have and you see TJ Gimla step up again, maybe they can – continue their success and again it's way too early so uh we can't get burned by these but that's kind of who i see yeah i mean kind of looking at it the one team that i especially in that bc division i don't really want to write off too much because they're going to lose some guys and some very important guys to their roster but the prince george cougars are going to be a good team again you know with uh with zemer and with riley height um, with Hudson Thornton playing another really impactful season. Um, you know, they've got they've got some options about who they're going to bring back next year too, I think, um, as far as like who they want to continue on with that group. Um, without getting too into it, I just look kind of looking at rosters. Like I think I think Zach Funk is eligible to come back. That's another really great player for them. Um, you know, and then I think just everyone in their organization taking another step forward. I mean, they've got some, they've got a depth there, which is just really strong, you know, from, from their defense with Kamek to, uh, to Bauer Dumanski, um, you know, we, we really even didn't get to see uh, Tyson Bukowski, their 2006, you know, big offensive minded defenseman there too. So he's going to kind of step in there. They're maybe going to give him some second power play, that kind of thing, depending um, so they got some guys that can really step in and impact that roster too. Um, I think, I think they're a team that I would, you know, not, you know, count out too much, you know, with, with Tyler Brennan and they're just a good team. I think with some of, like you said, some of the uncertainty and some of the other teams like Kamloops is still going to be a good team. Vancouver and Kelowna are probably going to take a little bit of a step forward too, just with the aging of their players. Um, but, uh, Prince George, not somebody I would count out, um, especially on that high end of the talent there. Um, I mean, yeah, I don't know what the central central's weird, man. Like, I they're it's just gonna be tough. Like, uh, Red Deer does have some turnover, but you know they have a lot of their core, and a lot of their core is really sound. I mean, they they still have Lind and and Mayo and Jace Weir, and and another good season from Ole Josephson. Um, a couple of their guys can come back from after that too, but they're you know they're gonna be losing 
Ben King and Christopher Setoff and and some of those guys too. But uh, but they're adding in some good players too, and we're probably going to see a better season out of um, you know someone like Quinton Bourne, and we're going to see some early flashes of Zane Saab, and and so um, and I I would expect a better season out of Talon Brigley as well. So it's um, so I'm just like thinking as I'm going. I do think Medicine Hat's going to take a jump up. Um, I do think Lethbridge is going to take a jump up probably um, without me looking at their roster. Oh, they do have some older players too, but I think they're, they'll be a good team as well. Um, some of their youth are prime for a breakout season. I think you're going to see a much better season out of Miguel Marquez there. Um, one of their, one of their 2006s. Um, the East. I don't know, man. <laughs> I think it's going to be pretty competitive again, especially at the top end. I mean, Winnipeg's losing a bunch of guys, but they're still they still have a ton of guys. So, Winnipeg, Saskatoon, Musha, they'll still be in that big mix. Um, I'm really scared of what's going to happen to Regina. Like, it's, it's I don't know. We'll see. Maybe Connor Bernard will come back, Angel. <laughs> totally. That's the thing that everyone's saying. If I mean, I'm betting money, which I shouldn't. Yeah, you know. I mean, he's not eligible for the American Hockey League this year. I don't think that's true. You know, I think I think if you're Regina, and you know, halfway through the season something happens or whatever, where they're like, "We're gonna send him back for the half season," Regina finally just goes, "Yay!" and then trades him for a yacht, and uh, you know, yeah. it would help kickstart a bunch of stuff there. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, they just. You know the Regina Pats. Their 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 best players were Bedard and Svozil and Sustalov, and um, you know you, you can understand why all three of them won't be back. Depending, so maybe you'll get Sustalov back, but I, to be honest, I'm not sure. Um, yeah, and then uh, Seattle's gonna have another good team. Portland's gonna be a good team. Tri City's gonna take a step forward. Um, Everett's always competitive. Um, I think that division might be somewhat the same. You might see Portland jump up to that number one spot this time around um, ahead of Seattle, but I think Seattle won't be too far behind them either. I'll I'll keep things brief for, for my take on things. I'll start with the East since that's what I'm the most familiar with. Moose Jaw is going to be interesting because they have a bunch of pieces. It's going to be interesting to see if they'll kind of add guys, go on and going all in runs similar to Edmonton or Seattle or Winnipeg and Winnipeg's my other team to watch in the East division this year, just because like they, they traded for a lot of older players and they don't have the draft pick assets at this point in time in order to fill some of those gaps that they're losing this year. Like, I don't know if you'll have a Carson Lambos back. Don't know if you'll have a Zach, a stop back. So I think, they might be a team to watch. I think they'll still be very competitive. I just don't know if they'll be top of the Eastern Conference good again. Yeah. Um, Central Division, Medicine Hat, obviously. Gavin McKenna's full rookie season. How far does that push them? Can he push them up the standings with their other younger core guys? I guess the other team, I'll be biased and say left, hometown bias and say Lethbridge. I know that they have some older guys there, especially on the blue line. And you have to be like 6'3", 200 pounds to play on that blue line, it seems, unless you're Logan McCutcheon. Um, <laughs> yeah, BC, obviously Prince George, high-flying offensive team. They'll have uh, Cohen Zemer and 
Riley Heights. Thank you. I was forgetting names for a second. U.S. Division, I'll say Portland will be good. Again, Everett. Everett's a team you can't really bet against, I feel. Like they're all they always seem to be to be good. And yeah, that's my super compacted version of my teams to watch for for next season. So and in a month it could all change as teams make trades <laughs> or whatever. Like it's it's yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes, make Wouldn't sure you, if it changes. Make sure you keep receipts because this may age poorly. Yeah, I mean, I think you nailed it with Moose Jaw, too. I think Moose Jaw, that's their year to go in. And so I think, you know, they're going to lose a few guys or whatever, but, like, everything's there for them to to add another impact top six forward and another impact defenseman and just push. Um, it, you know, they, they pushed quite a bit in this last year as well. And, um, you know, I think you saw Jagger Furcus absolutely come alive in the playoffs. And so it's – there's a lot of potential there. It was a really great season for – you know, a forward season from Atlee Calvert. Um, you know, they had to deal with some injuries and some, some different things in their roster too. But I think next year they, uh, they'll, I think they're a team to prime early and often to be like, when and how often are they going to be trading? Yeah. So I guess we'll start to wrap things up here because we're running out of time on the, on the zoom meeting again. So thank you for joining us for this first episode here, Jolt. Hey, no problem. It's uh, it's always good to talk to about the WHL and, and the kids who are coming. Awesome. So thank you all for listening to the first ever episode of the uh, Two Paper Guys podcast featuring myself, Nathan Ryder, and James Tubb. And we'll hope to see you around for episode two.